Greetings and welcome back to Bombadil's Porch. Yes, indeed. Went, went old school with our original greetings there. You did. But, uh, hey, we are glad you listeners are have decided to share an hour of your time. Maybe an hour. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see what happens today. Uh, <laughs> if you're wondering when this, if this was the week we were going to get back under control, <laughs> we've already given up. Well, we don't have we don't have the clants sitting here with us we to kind of meter us and, and rein right. us in. So, um, clants is on assignment. Mm-hmm. That sounds fancy. Dad He's on duty. vacation. Dad duty. Yes. Yes. I'm seeing cool picks from afar. Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Actually, some of the better picks of Mount Rushmore I've seen, and it was a selfie shot. Nice. <laughs> so many. T- you get some of the scale of it all. So, Caleb. Well, uh, we miss you, bro. Yep. Uh, safe travels. Have fun with the kids. Godspeed back. Yes. Have fun. The uh, t- we are recording this on Friday the thirteenth. We are, and, and I really can't remember why that's become kind of this superstitious. Other than those horrific movies from the uh, was it the eighties? Mm, probably were horror films. Uh, and it was always about Friday the thirteenth. Maybe that was 80s the title. I didn't. I, were weird. <laughs> Uh, I was on calls today earlier. Uh, one call I was on, which was a, yeah, not not as enjoyable as I would have hoped, but given <laughs> the subject that we were dealing with, it's no surprise. But I was trying to bring a little bit of levity to oh. to a, a thorny contractual disagreement. And so I said to one of the folks on the call, I said, I was noticing in your matrix as you get into your calculations on such and such a phase that – it all totals up to 666. So is that something we need to be concerned about? And then somebody else was like, and it's Friday the 13th. And everyone was like, oh. <laughs> Did it work? Uh, it worked. I, I, you know, I don't know if we're going to solve that problem. But anyway, okay. yes, yes. So this is that time of year, unfortunately, where there is mm-hmm. a lot of superstition comes out. Um, month of October, we're coming up on the 31st. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I don't know about you. Which is the 13th backwards. Oh, boy. We could run down that. You know, this might become an art bell. Have you, did you ever hear? Yes. You might be too young. I don't know. I know art who bell, art bell coast is. to coast. Yeah. <laughs> I used to work a night job. Oh, there you so go. So you kept me company. Great. That'll keep you awake, <laughs> yeah. too. Great entertainment. The conspiracist <laughs> extraordinaire, art bell. But was he though? Well, there you go. Maybe he I was feel right. Like he was just the question asking extraordinaire. <laughs> I remember as a kid, especially if dad would be driving, like we we're going to go visit grandma, mm-hmm. who was like a 13 or 14 hour drive away. And we'd be cruising along. Dad always wanted to do it in like one. Mm-hmm. One nice. mad sprint, there you um, go. which was probably a terrible idea, but that's what he wanted to do. So you'd have to, you'd have to listen. He'd have the window open at the middle of the night, wind blown in to keep him awake. He'd have a massive mug of coffee, and it was probably back then particularly bad truck stop coffee. Mm-hmm. And then certain hours, Art Bell, that'll keep you going. So I remember <laughs> the, there was a, oh, was it Tuesdays? There was some particular day that was, or of the month, he'd have a feature show, and it was called the Antichrist Hotline. And oh, people would call in. People would call in. They, like, if you thought you were the Antichrist, you could call the show. <laughs> oh man and the thing about art is i guess he was either art bell that is the thing about bell was that he was either an entertainer or just he had the right personality he wouldn't mock these people like he would ask legitimate questions uh meant to uh produce entertaining dialogue and that's that show that's what always fascinated me just as somebody who's interested in communication because <laughs> you're dealing with some of the most interesting people on the planet and 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 some of the most not 
Yeah. And he had a great way to quickly figure out which one he was talking to. (laughs) And without being a jerk, he could end a conversation so quickly and politely if he needed to. Yeah. But he could also find a nugget. And even if the person he was talking to didn't actually understand what part of what they were saying was interesting, he could find what you would want to listen to and and thread that along. But he also was an amazing, um, had the amazing ability to find common ground. Because mm. he, could, he could be talking to a panel of four people. And if you take what they're saying literally, they are all arguing for absolutely mutually exclusive things. <laughs> and he could somehow find... Well, if what I hear you all saying is, and get them all, so, yeah, yeah. It's, you had a little bit of the Art Bell <laughs> timber just now. Yeah, he has a yeah. he has a gravel. That is a talent. It though. is a talent, <laughs> and, and you know, it's a talent. I think we 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 is glaringly absent mm-hmm. in the modern discourse. True, because no one's looking for common ground. They're looking for scorched right. earth, and yep. and how can I get a zinger on this guy? Sure, and looking for the cheap. The, the cheap shot that all my tribe is going to cheer and I don't care about common ground. I mean, it, yeah, there, there's uh, maybe there's some opportunity, entertainment yeah. opportunity out there. His tribe was people that wanted to talk late at night. Yeah. That's and a pretty, that's a pretty good tribe actually. Cause I used to try to listen. Okay. When is he going to let slip what he believes about things? <laughs> you never know. And he, yeah. He was so <laughs> good about it. You would think, you would think he agreed with everybody he ever talked to, but if you listened, he never committed. Yeah. And, and you would never get him to say directly, well, this is what I think about fill, fill in the blank, other than these kind of vague generalities that could fit in with anything. So that's, he was a clever, clever communicator. There might be some lessons there for, for the, the, the person that wants to be more effective in their evangelism, (laughs) because there's something to be said for that. Like a lot of times in our evangelism, I think there's a, there's a, First of all, the lazy way is to not do it at all and to just rely exclusively on this belief that they will look at my life and the purity of that which mm. I don't do and come to my door and say, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> and that probably isn't going to happen. I think um, – and you know that's probably the laziest form. But there are other lazy forms of evangelism, which one of them is I'm just going to spit out everything I can about the gospel in one breath – yeah, and before he can say anything, I'm going to keep going, right? And and that's not that's really yeah. not effective. It's not useful, and which it pro- is surprising because we love it when people on the phone call us that we didn't solicit and do that. <laughs> when they knock on our door and we didn't solicit and they do that, you would think this is going to work though this time. This right? time, uh, but I think there is something beautiful, and if you just if you if you're looking for evangelistic assistance, right? Look at look to your Bible. And you see, I mean, Paul, one amazing evangelist, church planner, uh, the Lord Jesus. What you see at times is someone that's able to find, I'll call it the common ground, but they're able to find the fertile soil, like listen to who you're talking to mm-hmm. and and build on that, not not watering down. Boy, I'm getting caught up in the farm metaphor Ooh, here. Not watering down the message, but watering the seeds of the gospel mm. um, that probably someone else has planted, or maybe the Lord's given you the opportunity to plant. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it is. It's wonderful, even though Art Bell, although he probably did talk about biblical things because of the kinds of people that called in, sure. right? Yep. But uh, it, it, sometimes you just find people. It's like, wow, that guy really connected. Why is that? And man, maybe I can do that too. But uh, <laughs> there you yeah, go. I, um, we'll we'll move on from from Art Bell and Friday, and Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, well, six six six. That's that's mm-hmm. 
we should do we should do a an end times uh, that'd be interesting show sometime yep uh, i don't even know how we would organize it, but it <laughs> would figure be it out kind of interesting charts graphs lots <laughs> we have the charts we, we have, have the, the technology charts. we have the technology it is funny too who was the uh, you might you probably know chris the way your brain operates Uh-oh. um who came up with I'll call it that dispensational chart of the end times <laughs> that we've all seen. It's like a timeline. Yeah. There's there's usually there's and- usually an arrow that has like a U-turn in it, and then there's like another it, it, you know the the rapture. It has all these things, right? Do do mm-hmm. you know who was the first to come up with the chart? There's a I mean, there's a couple different versions of it. Um, oh, there's a I actually have here in my office somewhere um, a very old copy of some of those first charts. Um, the, the like line art, um, yeah. almost woodcut looking ones. But I, I think one of the, I don't know if he drew them or if it was just around his ministry, but between Schofield and Darby, that was mm-hmm. kind of when a lot of the charts were, were first uh, fleshed out. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I'm not even, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to mock the charts, but it is interesting how many of us, myself firmly included, when we think of the end times and our interpretation of what the scripture teaches about end times, that chart is in our heads, right? <laughs> it's at some point we were introduced yep. to it. And, uh, and I think for better, and we've been mocked for it ever since. That's right. For better or for worse. <laughs> I mean, the chart can be helpful, but it is yeah. after all just a chart. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, but the reality behind it is glory. Uh, well, the chart does yeah. make me think of, uh, one of the subjects we were talking about earlier and probably the main one that we'll, we'll, um, we'll seek to do justice to today, which is of course the awful events that took place, the terrorist attacks that took place in Israel. Now, what was it? Six days ago? Yeah. Was it Saturday? I believe that we, the, the news broke across the world of, um, of the, the thousands of rockets that were fired uh, by Hamas Right. And um, and Hamas supporters into Israel, I think though uh, in some ways isn't it terrible? Like we've we've been desensitized to the rockets because um, I think some of the most shocking things, even though the rockets were deadly, is the uh, is the troops that came troops are not even troops the uh, the Hamas militia troops that came over and direct and not only targeted um, military targets but predominantly targeted right. civilian targets. Um, and by targets that that's that's a dehumanizing term they 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 went after a concert killing hundreds ironically a peace concert um civilians and they went after families they went after towns they kill we're seeing now more recent in the last 24 hours we heard rumors and now we're seeing evidence of um uh, families being killed together um being murdered uh babies being i mean just absolute yeah. horrific um, intentionally horrific. Like and, that's yes. They're putting the terror in terrorist on purpose. Uh, ISIS was probably. I mean, we're talking. About, you know, in, in using the the term that gets bantered about. You know, medieval barbarism, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably doing a disservice to the medieval period uh, because some of this really is unprecedented. Um, and 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 from what we're hearing too, done joyfully by. Um, with a yeah. giddiness even by these hundreds and hundreds of fighters that came across Hamas fighters that right. came into, into Israel and, and very intentional, these targets, this, this, this operation would have taken <laughs> years to plan 
because I think it involved air, sea, ground, and underground modes of attack. And, and so, and I think probably as appalling as, as these evil acts were, what's equally as shocking is the fact that it was a complete surprise attack. Right. Uh, Israel was clearly not prepared for it, which is amazing considering their reputation for right. probably having one of the more effective intelligence agencies on earth, um, considering their reputation for being ready because of where they are. Uh, you've been there. I've been to the area and seen the, just the, the un, really amazing. And I don't even mean that like, Hey, that's impressive. More like, wow, like you kind of, there's parts of Israel where you feel like you're in the middle of a battle, not because anyone's shooting, but because of concrete walls and checkpoints and military right. vehicles. And the fact that they were caught off guard by this is uh, the Iron Dome overwhelmed by the sheer quantity of rockets being fired, um, the ground forces being overwhelmed uh, is really, is really a tragedy. And I, and I won't, I'm not trying to like give a complete summary of what's happened, but more to just set up the conversation for us today, uh, which is that no nation on earth would not respond. And so Israel has already begun to respond. Mm -hmm. I think I heard somewhere yesterday, three, 4,000 tons of, of munitions have been dropped back into, uh, Gaza and, with a ground offensive unprecedented that is being formed and probably it may have even started while we're recording this. Right. The imminent. And, and what's, what's heartbreaking is um, nothing that's about to happen is, is something that anyone could be proud of. And I don't mean it isn't something that Israel has to do. They do have to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. They have a right to defend themselves. The government, like any government, has a responsibility to protect its people um, from further harm. But but I think it's, it's kind of a, a depressing reminder of this broken world we live in that it's going to be awful. Yeah. And it's going to be awful for Israel. It's going to be awful. Um, the people that, that are going to be um, Hamas, this terrorist organization, uh, I probably have less sympathy for them than I ought to. <laughs> I don't have a loving attitude towards them. But there's 3 million people that live in Gaza that are yeah. not all Hamas. They have no. nowhere to go. Horrible quality of life. Not yeah. blaming any particular, certainly not blaming Israel for it. But it's just, it's an awful situation. It is. And if you imagine the atrocities of D-Day, for example, uh, that could still be an honorable battle because you have the assembled forces of one nation throwing themselves against the assembled forces of another nation uh, in that in that battle for for national and really even in some ways civilizational supremacy. But now, if you imagined on the tops of the beaches there, Omaha and such, not just machine gun nests, but mile after mile after mile of densely populated apartment complexes where the women and children either had refused to leave or were prevented from leaving. Yeah. And you knew that to to save the day, you had to go take out those machine gun nests and then go through every single one of those rooms and that there were going to just be untold numbers of dead bodies. Mm. Uh, really, in many ways, that was what America had anticipated in Japan. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the reason, uh, again, that's a 
complex issue. I don't want to get into all it, but that was part of the thinking that went into, can we just nuke these cities before we have to go through every single bedroom in this country and probably leave a body in every one? And I think the, you know, not to dive into World War II, but it's an interesting comparison I hadn't thought of yet. Uh, that is what was going to happen. It was. And it, and it even had a name. It yeah. had a plan. And uh, the body count was, was it 1.6 million they anticipated or something like that? Well, of ours. I mean, it was just unbelievable the number of soldiers would be lost and then the civilian uh, toll. And in fact, even after the mm-hmm. first bomb, um, Japan's military government, because that's effectively what it was, was still pressing ahead that yeah. uh, they, it, they were undeterred. Yeah, um, there's no way they the can second, do that again. Yeah, and yeah. then the, you know the second one. So I guess, and and the other factor in this too is there are, and it's important to remember this. Sometimes we, because of our view of the world, is so shaped by the headlines we read. I don't know about you, but I, I have, I've like, there's like five different sites I check now, hmm. um, and it's not even like there's. I don't even favor any particular one. I got to check Al Jazeera because it's just always interesting to see what they have to say, even if <laughs> I disagree is. with it. Tell you the truth, outside the Middle East, Al Jazeera has a pretty pretty good news apparatus, <laughs> better than better than a lot of U.S. based ones. Mm. And I, that, that that that's difficult for me to say out loud. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've been. It is interesting to check these. And and here's something that I find amazing. Actually, the point I was about to make, I'll make, and mm. then I'll move on to this thing that I find really surprising. Uh, I don't know how they census this but the uh, i did hear the statement recently that there are more palestinian christians than there are jewish christians and so for the believer even if our views and there's 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 a range of beliefs for for american christians some some and i and i put myself close to this tremendous loyalty uh not loyalty tremendous support and even affection for the nation of israel not a wholesale and uh, approval of everything they do. It's a secular nation. Yeah. Uh, much like the United States, there's all kinds of things that are anti- unbiblical, some even anti-biblical that are tolerated and celebrated in terms of social views. Um, but I do feel like the, that, that that's an area that as believers, um, you know, for me, I, I just feel a sense of, of support and, and love uh, for the the nation of Israel, that doesn't mean that I hate others either. I think that's we live in this weird hmm. time where, like, if you love one country, you have, you have to, to hate the other yeah. one. There, there are brothers and sisters in Christ, and if you, in according to some of these summaries, more in in Palestinian territory than there are in the state of Israel. And so, our hearts go out to them. And 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 you listener didn't get to hear this, but before we say welcome to the show, uh, we pray together. And Chris prayed for a variety of people and 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 situations that exist over there. So let's continue to pray for them. Um, that's the point I wanted to make, and we can come back to that. But a surprise. I've mm. been surprised this week at how the certain news sites have been, I don't even want to call it supportive, much more honest about mm. what Hamas has done than I would have expected them to be. There are certain news sites that more traditionally seem to be, I would say, hostile towards the state of Israel. Yeah. Um, unfairly so. It's not that you have to approve everything they do, but unfairly so. And and this this particular issue of the Palestinians and Israel is so such a uh, um, it's such a flashpoint that 
there are a lot of people that made here in the U.S. that immediately supported Palestine and have been condemned, the Palestinians, in this case, particularly Hamas, and have been condemned for it. So I've been kind of interested, if I find it with the exception of Al Jazeera, no surprise there, but a lot of these news agencies uh, have been very open mm-hmm. and, and I would say shared the, honest, the brutal truth of what Hamas did and I've been surprised by that. Maybe you have as well, because I, I, in a way, it kind of is. It is, it is the reasons why the nation of Israel is, is has activated its military the way they have this week, and the way they are going to in the in the months and and very mm-hmm. likely years ahead. But I don't know if that struck you as well. I, I'm curious how much that has to do just with the modern nature of um, social media, where it makes it much harder to plant a position of denial. Um, you just, you can't say no to what you're seeing. There's, uh, there's something particularly callous about the, the atrocities that have been committed. And that's the fact that those who are perpetuating them that are uploading these videos, right? It's not, they're not that they're getting caught, but they're trying to keep a secret. They're bragging. They're bragging about it. And I think there is, and we should be thankful for this. There is still some level of just inescapable recoil at that kind of horror. Um, so I wonder some of it is just inescapable, like whatever we, however we want to paint the narrative, what just happened is so in your face. We have to just take it for what it is for a minute. The, the narratives being framed around it then are becoming more predictable mm. and partisan, etc. And, um, I don't know how many times I've seen the phrase, the events unfolding between Israel and Hamas this week did not occur in a vacuum. You've probably seen that over <laughs> and over as well. That's, that seems to be the, the preferred way to begin saying how this is horrible. Israel should have never made them do that to them. Mm, <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and there's, yes. there's that narrative uh, we're seeing from certain quarters. Uh, you've probably seen the, the images being circulated with just the phrase, this is what decolonization looks like. What did you expect? Mm. Uh, and, and a tremendous amount of support being presented for, uh, for Hamas and, and their, their willingness to be so brave and extreme and in gaining, you know, freedom back for their people. And so some of that is starting to reassert itself, but I feel like it, uh, we talked about this with our youth a bit on Wednesday. There are times when, especially in the West, where we try so hard to pretend that any kind of concept of objective morality just doesn't exist. There are times um, when evil just makes that an impossible position to hold, at least for a while. Mm. And, and that really, I think, smacked the West in the face with, this is what evil looks like. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? And that, and it's the, what do you do with it part where things are then, you know, going back into their typical groups, but everybody stopped and went, whoa. Yeah. And, and that's good when that stops happening. You know, one of the things that uh, you were talking about was this, this seems to be almost an escalation in barbarism from uh, what we saw even under ISIS, Hmm. which is probably debatable, but. Well, I think, uh, I think ISIS set the modern precedent of what evil is. And it seems like some of what we've now has mm -hmm. been confirmed happened in the, in the last week. Yeah. Particularly last weekend is on par. Um, It's uh, yeah, it's certainly on par. um, And we forget what um, sometimes 
because there were no survivors, what ISIS did to certain yeah. community, entire towns, entire communities, um, whether it was the, the Coptic Christians in Egypt or whether it was, oh, now I feel terrible. What was the name of the Christian, uh, the, the first Christian community they went after? Um, Up in like the nor- northern uh, yeah. Iraq, the Kurds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there were, so there, there were some, some atrocities there, mm-hmm. but what we're seeing is not, and this is something I think we need to wake up to in the West. What we're seeing is not an innovation of evil that we can't trace. Like, how is this possible? Yeah. What we're seeing is the reemergence of what used to be normal in the world. Mm, that's a good point. And we had better take note, uh, largely thanks to, uh, the promulgation of the Christian worldview, even in its broken, yeah. you know, yes, it got tangled up with the Roman empire and that became a mess and politics and, and there were some horrific things done in the name of Christ, all granted, all condemned. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm not going to defend any of that, but there came with the spread of Christianity and in particular in the wake of the reformation, uh, over large swaths of the earth, all of a sudden, the value of human life was asserted in a way that was really unprecedented in the history of the world. The autonomy, particularly of the female body Mm. and the, the value and rights of a child, regardless of how powerless were concepts that were very foreign in the ancient world. And that was a massive gift to the world that came through the Mm. influence of Christianity. It's not PC to say, but it's true. It is true. It's very true. And what we're yeah. seeing in the the pro- progress we're making in the West is actually creating the very environment, not only at home, but also abroad, where we can regress not only to the paganism ideologically, because if you're paying attention, paganism is what's replacing yeah. not secularism, <laughs> <laughs> not only to the, a regressive paganism, but also to a regressive devaluation of the human person subsumed to the value of, of ideology of, of various tribal national ethnic identity issues um, or just naked greed. Mm. You know, it's, it is interesting that so many of these causes that are, have been labeled progressive. Yeah. And it just shows you the deceit of, of the <laughs> spiritual realm seeping through right? yeah. the deceit of, of evil. very retro. <laughs> and, you know, this is progress. Uh, no, it's not. We've seen this before. It, it is the opposite of well. progress. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, you do see this. It, it, this is probably for whatever reasons that you know the the news out of Israel. It's dominated every news outlet on Earth for the past week. But there are other horrible things like throughout Africa. You see, you see, just if mm-hmm. you see these horrible uh, evil events take place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reminded of when the Japanese invaded Manchuria, which mm. has led to a century of uh, of anger and, and and hatred. There, it's just it, it. You see the the evil of sin, yeah, come through. And 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 the the other challenge here, and this is something I've been surprised at this week, is a lot of times the evil of sin justifies a. I wouldn't call it fully righteous response, but a a a just response. This is the world we live yes. in, right? And I and I think it'll be. That that that's where as Israel's ground forces are forced to go mm-hmm. and find a terrorist group mm-hmm. that has a reputation for hiding in schools, yep. hiding in hospitals, hiding in crowded 
Yeah, and, and not unoccupied schools and hospitals, but mm-hmm. intentionally schools and hospitals loaded with civilians. And it just shows you the nature of of what they. It's going to be awful. Mm-hmm. And I think it I is. think as Christians, the best we can do is pray and find ways to offer support. It's very difficult from half a world away um, mm-hmm. to to find ways to support, but we can always be praying. And, and we must. Yeah, and, we must. And praying for the innocent, praying the for the salvation of regardless of nationality or regardless yeah. of where someone lives geographically, praying for their salvation, praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ that mm-hmm. are no doubt in Gaza. And then there are others that are going to be probably part of the invading forces that have to go in and, and, and do some do excruciating work yeah. in the months and probably years ahead. Right. I, I guess I also wonder, does this, does this, there, Something else we haven't even talked about Ooh, is there we go. hostages taken. So it wasn't yeah. just murder. Hundreds of hostages were mm-hmm. kidnapped from southern Israel yeah. and taken back to be to be bargaining chips. Yes. And and some of those stories have been horrible as well about rape and whatnot and abuse. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the count is 13 were Americans. And this is another interesting <laughs> I heard a, an analyst speaking about this, that for for all of the incompetence of national government and for all the issues that we as, Amer- as Americans have um, here, uh, one of the table stakes, most basic agreements that the U.S. government has made with its citizens is no matter who you are, no matter where you are, we will come get you. And, and uh, you know, for all the inefficiencies and bungling that's happened over the, that's something that the U S government has pretty consistently made effort in. And now, that, if you're Afghani and you helped us, well, you're not, a, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can already hear the, hear the DC lawyers saying, well, yeah. but, but by and large but for U S citizens, right. And, and, and so that is another complexity in this. Yes. The biggest challenge for. And I wouldn't be actually entirely surprised if Hamas releases the U S it would be smart hostages it, it as would, a calculation. It, they, they didn't take house hostages because they value any of their lives. No, I think what do they say? They've already identified 21. I think that were dead yeah. U S citizens that they've already killed. And I think there's another 14 that are unaccounted for. And then there's the ones that they know are hostage. Um, so the, the only reason they're holding on to people is if they think it's a tool. Oh, that's the only reason it, it will be now, if you're the U S the biggest, the hardest part, it's not like we have trouble going and getting someone. Uh, the hardest part is figuring out where they are. And it, I heard some analysis this week that was really interesting. Um, ordinarily, we would go ask the Israelis, where are they? But there's a good chance the Israelis are like, I don't know, <laughs> given that they were completely surprised by this. Yeah. There's one other player that this analyst anyway felt has a better idea because you can't go ask Hamas. They're not going to tell you where they are because they're, they're, no? they're <laughs> you know, why would Surprise. they? Um, is Iran. So tell me that's not an interest. <laughs> it's like the one other player in the region that might know where they are. So it was just, this is such a, uh, uh, a, a yeah. horrific time. And then geopolitically a confusing time. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. So uh, for the, for the biblical Christian. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the, uh, current so we're events, not talking right? about the unbiblical Christians right now. We'll talk <laughs> That's about that. Right. That's right. We're going to leave them out. <laughs> but for the biblical Christian, um, 
is there anything here to to be gleaned about about what scripture says about what might happen you know and, and i guess the script uh, mm-hmm. interpretations of what might happen how does a how does a how does a christian chris from your perspective not only how do we pray but how do we order our affections mm-hmm. order our how do we give our kids some counsel in all of this um it's hard because of the awful things that are going on it the it fires up the emotions um mm-hmm. What how do we how do we interpret this in light of what the Bible says about the nation of Israel? And that's a, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm asking uh, intentionally a question that we could <laughs> run a, down fifteen, we could maybe fifty different different paths. But I want to kind of bring this back to home for us as dads, as husbands, uh, for us as as brothers in the Lord. And it's just you know, there's lots of guys that we will bump into. I even got te- a text earlier this morning from a listener. It wasn't related to the show, but asking questions about this situation. Like, how do we, how do we uh, responsibly handle what God has revealed to us in light of all this? Yeah. Well, if you take Hamas and turn those letters into numbers and divide them by the date that they attacked and compare it with the phase of the moon. It spells Art Bell's name, right? <laughs> Is that what <laughs> Yeah, like you said, that's such a broad, that's such a broad question because there's components of this. Uh, what what explains this level of hatred? And there's biblical background to that. Um, should Israel be regarded in some unique, special way in how they're approaching the situation because of their place in Scripture? How do we evaluate it? Just um, if if it wasn't Israel and and the Palestinians, if it was pick any two random countries out of a hat, yeah. would that change our perspective? Uh, those are all, I think, important questions when we try to understand why why would one group of people hate another group of people so much? This is where Marxism falls flat. Mm-hmm. It really does. Uh, and that's part of what I think makes the West so constantly unprepared to think and talk intelligently about what's going on over there lately in, in recent years. We want to find the systemic explanation Hmm. Right. If they weren't being corralled into these small land masses, if there wasn't this uh, colonization of these settlements encroaching on on their territory, uh, if and again, don't beat me up for using any of those words. I'm just <laughs> drawing some contours of the discussion. If the British had done a better job, by the way, <laughs> exactly. I, keep, I keep coming back to British those, Empire. Those British. <laughs> yeah. If if any of these things had happened, if. Uh, there was more equity, more opportunity, more funding, more resources, more fill, schools, fill in the blank. I saw one one uh, website today just bemoaning um, the real atrocity that occurred in, in Gaza today, which was the destruction of their own Planned Parenthood, or mm. their only Planned Parenthood. And it's just like the irony there <laughs> boggles the imagination. But there, there's this attempt to look and say, if we can just fix these systems so that there aren't power imbalances between the state of Israel and the, the Palestinian people, whether it's those living up in the north or whether it's in Gaza, uh, you know, West Bank realities. So if we could just do that, everything will be fine. And if their worldview was right, then then that's what you should be pursuing. The problem is that has almost nothing to do with the actual realities behind this animosity. Hmm. And it is so much deeper and it is so much more visceral 
than we can imagine. How do you get to the point where a people group sets up loudspeakers to blast into the state of Israel the phrase, we love death more than you love life, mm. over and over and over on a loop? We, we don't get that, where people would genuinely rather see their people wiped out if it comes with the blood of their enemies then find a peaceful solution for all involved. Hmm. That's not universal. Obviously, like we said, we've got many brothers and sisters in Christ in the land, and there's just a lot of families in general to get caught in this, but for more than, more than we probably appreciate, even down to the common citizen, there is a hatred there we don't understand. I think I've shared, hmm. uh, even on the porch before, being in the old city Jerusalem, mm -hmm. talking to a shop owner you know, there who... Um, works all day next to the Jewish shop owner, right? And, and just looks like the most chill dude you'd imagine. Very calm, very polite. And I just asked him one day out of the blue, I said, hey, you know, just, I know there's been a lot of heartache in this country. What do you think it would take for there to be lasting peace in this land? You know, no bias towards a solution, just a simple question like that. And without missing a beat, his answer to me, without even a lot of emotion was, every last one of those baby killers has to be dead. <laughs> mm. That we just don't understand in the re in the West internalized hatred at that level, and that goes back mm. four thousand years, mm. as we were talking before the, sh the show began, yeah. to a sinful decision on the part of the patriarch Abraham to try to shortcut God's path to a promised heir, resulting in the birth of a son named Ishmael. Ishmael was not an evil lad; yeah. he was a boy caught up in the, the sinful decisions of his father. His mom was not a, a wicked woman. And in fact, it says Abraham loved Ishmael, mm -hmm. right? This, this was a son that he loved and sin makes a mess. And God had to go back to him and say, you can't do it like this. Mm. And that ended up with a son spurned, with a mother spurned, and, and that boy would grow up to become the father of a people group with a bitterness against the nation of Israel that we can't understand and that has not dimmed in 4,000 years. We think we've got, you know, <laughs> we talk about identity as Americans. Mm. <laughs> we are a, you know, we're a spit on a timeline compared to the power of some of these ingrained ideas. My grandfather uh, grew up in Lebanon. He's Middle Eastern, or was Middle Eastern. He's passed away now. Um, and back when Carter was trying to implement all of his policies to bring peace in the Middle East, a, a bunch of college students came over and were gathered around uh, his chair, peppering him with questions. My mother was relaying this to me just a few days ago as we were talking about these issues. And she said she'll never forget, because they kept saying, what's, what's the answer? What's the solution? And he said, or she said that he just kept looking at them and telling them, you need to understand there will never be peace in the Middle East. There will never be peace in the Middle East. There was no solution in his mind that mm. could even be conceived as somebody who had grown up there, understood the cultural dynamics in play. And that brings us back to the modern mm. day. And how do we think through this kind of animosity we as Christians need to recognize, um, particularly those of us that do come from the dispensational side of things, <laughs> uh, we firmly believe that pro certain promises were made to ethnic Israel that have not yet been fulfilled, and we believe that they will be literally fulfilled. And again, 
I know them's fighting words for some, but <laughs> it it's our to, podcast. We can have our own right. perspective. Start, start, start your, your own, own podcast. podcast. <laughs> that's right. Some of you have. Uh, we understand that God will still fulfill promises to ethnic Israel. Does that mean that the current nation state of Israel is the fulfillment of those promises? And the answer is no, because it is not a state run by a repentant people, right? There's, there has not yet been a recognition on Israel's part of who the Messiah is. Does that mean then it's safe to disregard Israel? No, I think you should always <laughs> be very careful in being in opposition to that people group that God has set a special favor on. But that doesn't mean that the, that the state of Israel operates by some separate standard. God's standard of righteousness right. applies to every nation that's ever existed. And Israel can and has done things that are unrighteous. And so when it comes to evaluating their response to Hamas, they can be evaluated not from some perspective of they can do no wrong because they're Israel. Right. But from the perspective of what would any righteous nation be expected to do under these circumstances? And they, they can and must be held to that standard. They, as a government, have a certain obligation. And I think there's hope in a lot of people's hearts that if we can get through the unpleasantries ahead of us, then we can fix this. And the reality is it won't. And it will not be fixed ever in any permanent enduring fashion until, and I think that's maybe where you want to jump back in. Yeah. Well, yeah, until Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that's right, comes back and all, and his, you know, mm -hmm. the first time he came, he came as, in humility. Mm -hmm. And of course, he will always have humility because he is perfect. Um, but and when he returns in power, mm -hmm. and, and I think, and demonstrates that the only, only path to peace is through the rule of, our Lord God. That's the only way. And, and I think, you know, that's something for us to hope for something as we pray. I found yeah. this week as Nita and I were talking, even as we prayed for the peace of Jerusalem and some would argue whether or not we're told to do that, you know, we were doing it cause we wanted to. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> but as we prayed for the peace of Jerusalem, part of that peace was for salvation. Yes, exactly. Um, that they would see <laughs> that's, that's that's to be redundant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> so. it's not just that that Jerusalem as a geography would would mm -hmm. would experience peace. It's uh, you know, and in a way, after you've been been to Jerusalem, you realize there's a obviously Jerusalem is full of Jewish people. It's full of Muslims. Mm -hmm. There's a there. It's yep. it's and the most Orthodox Greeks and Armenians and most complicated real estate on earth. Um, up there with New York, I guess. But um, you know, as we prayed for the peace, we prayed that of Jerusalem. It was for salvation for everyone there, and it was for um, it was for wisdom for the believers there. Yeah. Um, uh, the church I go to, we've got a a sister church. I, th I don't know if they would call it a sister church. They have a a network of churches they're a part of, and one of these is in Jerusalem, and they they provide support and. Um, in a variety of different ways. And one of the things that our, the pastor spoke about is he said, you know, our, the, the pastor of that church, uh, who I guess a lot of people in the congregation know, I don't know, but he said, you know, he's Jewish, but his wife is Palestinian and their children are part Palestinian. And up until this time, they gospel things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about a beautiful picture of what yeah. of what the church is supposed to be, the body of Christ is supposed to be. Amen. But he talked about they live in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood, and she, the wife, and their kids have experienced all sorts of racist behavior. Oh, I'm sure. And and they were our part of our prayer for them was after this, 
you know, it's probably going to get even harder. And so our prayers go out to, you know, above all to the body of, to the Lord, to the body Mm -hmm. of praying on behalf of the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters in the Lord, regardless of their nationality, regardless of what passports, plural, Mm -hmm. they may carry. Um, And I think, and I think if anything, my encouragement comes not from a trust in any particular government. It's just a trust that Lord, you were not surprised by this attack. Right. And Lord, you, you have, uh, you have all wisdom and only your power presence, only your love, only your justice, your righteousness. And we could go on all day about the attributes of God. Mm -hmm. Only you can have, can bring good out of this in the long run only because he's, he's in the business of fixing Mm -hmm. broken things, things that people have broken. So I think, I think that's that if anything, that could be an encouragement. It doesn't, it doesn't numb the the pain, the fear, the anger that comes out of seeing awful, evil things. And and I think if anything, as a believer, I'm just encouraged to continue to go back to the cross and not to not to you know focus just on the cross, but continue to go back to Jesus' sacrifice, continue to go back to the grave, his victory, continue to go back to his ascension. And his final words um, there that we see, you know, at the at the end mm-hmm. of the Gospels and then into Acts, you know, of, the, of what is it as believers? There's so many things that that are clawing for our attention. Many of mm-hmm. them are good. Many of them are areas of need. But what is it that that the King mm-hmm. has entrusted to us? And it is it is to preach the gospel. It is to introduce people to the gospel. It is to find ways, common ground with people we disagree with, not to try to establish some kind of political parody that me and my neighbor, Karen, can find something to agree on politically. That's irrelevant. It's find common ground so that I can continue to find ways to introduce her to Christ, not just with my words, which is important, um, but also with my deeds so that she might see when I, this, this savior that we talk about, that she might see what it means, the fact that he has saved us. And the trans- it's not just words. It's not just a, um, a building that we go to on Sunday mornings that defines us. The fact is, those are kind of minor, kind of minor things in a way, the building we go to. More about the transformation that Jesus is working out through the presence of his spirit in our lives. That is the gospel, right? And so mm-hmm. it's, it's challenging. And we were yeah. talking in the pre-show, and we call it pre-show. It's just us. <laughs> I almost said, I almost said, you know, bull, bull crapping around, green? but <laughs> it's just us shooting the bull, right? Uh, but, but the it, green room, the green room. Yes. That's gray. Uh, is this gray? I think it is gray. Yes. Is that what you went with here in the office? <laughs> I, indeed. Uh, Only two shades. But we yearn for utopia. And yes. utopia is just a fancy word for heaven. We yearn for, for the garden, Garden you, of Eden pre-fall. We yearn th- for I think it. utopia is a fancy word for heaven that we don't have to wait until God provides. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And nirvana. I mean, there's these different yeah. words that get well, banty, bantered yeah. about in, the, in, the, in all these philosophical conversations. Mm. But I, I mean, yeah. there is a part in our hearts that yearns for it. Yeah. And even the misguided the mm-hmm. angry Marxist uh, that's always pontificating, that's one good thing. You can always find in a communist some pontification. <laughs> if, if you like late night discussions and debates that don't lead to anything, find yourself a good communist <laughs> buddy and, and, and have at it. It's a blast. Yeah. As long as you realize you're not going to resolve anything. But, but as much as yeah. even people we've, we disagree with, 
as mm-hmm. as I'll call ourselves conservative Christians, but more more importantly, Jesus followers, um, they it, there is a yearning, a heartfelt, soul felt yearning for something better, for yeah. paradise lost, um, and mm-hmm. that that Father Adam and Mother Eve um, experienced and lost, and and the only way back is through Jesus and yeah. His plan. Uh, we can't construct heaven here on earth. We can't do it. Um, but we can submit to to him. We can repent yeah. of our sins and our, our, our sinful selfishness and turn to him for rescue, for redemption, and trust in him and his mm-hmm. word. I think that was a good part of our, our, our green room conversation earlier was uh, the Bible gives us gives us clear direction on what it means to be a follower of yeah. Christ. He and, has shown you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Yeah. And if you if you want to be part of his of his plan of redemption, mm-hmm. certainly we share the gospel, but we also live as peacemakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Sure you could go yell at your neighbor because he did something. <laughs> or not. Do you you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. I mean we exactly. deal with we deal with this kind of uh and we talk about Isaac and, and Ishmael there a little bit. We deal with some of these dynamics in the house from time to time, as you could imagine. Uh, it might be surprising to some that with the kids, you know, you have conversations like, should she have taken that? No. And we'll go to, I'll go talk to her about it. But did you really need to unload on her like that? Did you, re- mm-hmm. was it that important? You don't yeah. have to. And, and I think sometimes even as adults, like somebody cuts you off on the road or does something stupid and Mm -hmm. and the inclination is I must punish them with a honk. Uh, if you have a good horn, by the way, um, (laughs) Katie's car has the worst horn. So (laughs) you can't punish anybody with that horn, huh? I did a punishment honk once and I was ashamed. I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Beep. Um, But you know, you don't have to punish people. Even if you think it's justifiable, even if it mm-hmm. is justifiable. Well, and that's where you end up into the kind of cycle that that turns into the kind of things we saw this week. You know, right. it's an extension of the same broken impulse. I'm kind of reminded, and this is sort of off subject, but what comes to mind is I've seen a few of these and man, I, I watch it. I kind of shake my head almost in disbelief. Not that I don't think these people are sincere, but I just don't know if I could do it. But once in a while, you'll see videos of like it's someone's uh, like a murder, a convicted murder sentencing. And, and oftentimes the families of the one who was killed, one who was murdered or worse are allowed to talk, are allowed to speak to the, to right. the convicted. And a lot of times you see people angry and it's understandable that frankly, I, if I'm honest, that'd probably be me. I probably wouldn't say anything cause I'm too immature because of what I would probably regret having said, but once in a while you see someone, I saw one recently, once in a while you see one of someone that you can tell their sincerity is saying, I forgive you. And I want you to know that I saw one recently, man, I'm getting emotional. Just thinking about Mm. it. I don't even know who the guy was. I don't even know who the convicted criminal was. I just, the image of this young guy saying, I forgive you. And if I could, I, I, I wouldn't even want to see you punished. And then he shared the gospel. Um, it was amazing. And I think, not to say, it, you know, maybe the Lord would give me grace. I don't know. It's just hard to imagine yeah. myself 
being able to say that, and maybe mm-hmm. even for that guy saying it, maybe he would have said the same thing. And it's really the Holy Spirit just shining through a broken vessel. Right. You know, we are just clay vessels in his hands. Right. And I and I think it's that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness, something that mm-hmm. looks beyond the here and now, beyond the flesh, beyond the way we sin against each other and we wrong each other. Um, even as believers, we do this, you know, we sin against each other. So maybe it might not be through something like physical violence, but you know, I think there are people I've been through this and I've been guilty of this. There are people in our congregations that are, are hurting and feeling neglected and, and they're kind of withering away inside and we don't, we don't do anything about it. And some of us might say, cause we didn't know. It's like, well, we should, we're family. We ought to know. So, but the way we, the way we, in a, in a fallen world, the way that we, um, hurt one another and then you see uh, go back to that video of that young guy um and you see the light of christ shine through mm-hmm. that is the kind of healing that the world needs it's the kind of healing that's far too rare but you would think in the body of christ it should be much more common than it is and maybe that's maybe that's the hope mm-hmm. you know and something like we, we started with the situation in israel and it is mm-hmm. hopeless apart from Christ. Yeah. There is, as, as your grandfather shared, right? And others mm-hmm. who know that situation far better than we do because they know the minds and hearts of the people involved. There is no hope. Uh, but maybe for us as believers, we can, if anything, find that it takes us back to the source of all of our hope, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a distant God who stands mm-hmm. afar off and says, okay, guys, I've given you my word go get it done on your own. Mm -hmm. But a loving God who sent his spirit to us, who's given us his word and given us his spirit to teach us what it means and how to live it and to be sanctified by it. But he's also given us a choice to surrender and be obedient and put aside our selfishness, put aside our, um, our priorities and not to say that, you know, all those things are bad. I think a lot of us have good priorities, but they should always come second to his priorities. Mm-hmm. And to and to, and to live out a life uh, that focuses on, on peacemaking. And that doesn't mean that we have to let bad guys run rampant. Part of peacemaking is dealing with bad guys. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think that was kind of cool in the green, sh- the green room part of our conversation. <laughs> We're going to have to start calling the pre-show the green room. <laughs> Focusing on one part of God's plan at the exclusion of other parts of his plan is wrong. (laughs) We talked about that. Some people think compassion is, is, is letting, letting unrighteousness abound. That's not compassion. Yeah. In fact, that's evil. So I wonder, I've been, I've been monologuing yet again, but that's why I get, (laughs) that's why I keep getting invited. It's what we do on the porch. It's what we do. It's what we do. No dead Uh, air here. But, you know, sometimes it's easy to, because I think you started to explore that earlier, it's easy to get tunnel vision on one mm-hmm. particular area of what we know God has instructed us to do. But when that's at the expense of other things, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak to that at all? Sure. And and I, I think that that was a, a monologue, if you will, that, that's absolutely essential because the, the word that you kept coming back to, that, that forgiveness that you saw on mm-hmm. display – um, you can't ever punish sin enough to make satisfaction for it. Mm. Mm. If you could capture a terrorist, 
Um, and if you could punish them, how long would you need to do that before you said what you have done in defacing and assaulting the image of God and the people that you committed these atrocities against is now atoned for? And the answer is never. And that's why it's been 4,000 years. Uh, forgiveness, Christian, and I want to I highlight that, Christian forgiveness is so unique in the world in this regard. It's the only kind of solution to sin sufficient for the sin itself because it's based off of an infinite wrath-bearing sacrifice. And so it's the only it's the only hope that can be extended to a world where sin has a place to go and then never be seen again. And that's why the gospel is the only hope for peace anywhere including in the Middle East and how beautiful it is when you see that gospel on display jumping across those animosities and those enmities where there's just no human explanation how whether it's a man to a death row inmate, or in the days ahead, um, churches made up of Israelis and Palestinians, and perhaps some that even came out of Hamas, you know, and and they will sit next to each other as brothers. That's that's incredible. Mm. Uh, that's what the gospel alone can do. And one of the mistakes that we so easily make is by putting hope in other institutions to accomplish that somehow. And one of those institutions that so often look to, to bring these things about is the state. Mm. And when you are, when you are functioning as an agent of the state, you need to know what business God has put you about in that role. And it is to be, as the new Testament would instruct us, it is to be one who punishes the wicked and who encourages and rewards the righteous and this is one of those situations where the government cannot be a just government if it does not strap on the sword and punish the wicked, not because that's going to solve the sin, but because it is the job of the government to step in and to mete out such human justice as is possible for the discouragement of and the prevention of more evil wherever possible. That's not going to fix a single person's heart. Mm-mm. And there are those calling for Israel to show great restraint, to forgive, to stand down, to cease fire, hoping that that gesture of magnanimity will bring a rapport, will bring a rapprochement between (laughs) Palestine and Israel. It won't. And Israel cannot be a just government if it does not now put the sword on and go and deal with this evil. But that solves nothing. Mm. Uh, it it is it is their job. It's what they must do, and it's going to be really hard. Mm. But it's going to only be the spread of the gospel through people reaching out to their neighbors, even the Samaritans, you know, <laughs> from that part of the world, <laughs> you know, um, and loving them and forgiving them and having something sufficient enough to justify that, and that is the death of Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, that that's what can can bring any kind of real healing. Um, it is uh, it's tempting for us to want to be pragmatic and, util- and utilitarian. That's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, if we see a disparity, if we see uh, an inequality, to say we need to start putting our thumbs on the scales, we need to start uh, upsetting the balances here, we need to start changing power structures, we need to start overthrowing institutions, etc. Whatever we got to do to get these things back to equal, uh, but that's not the problem. Right, the in, the inequality is not the problem, yeah. and, and 
You can't treat it by trying to force equality through unrighteous means. Sin is the problem. Yeah. And the only solution to sin is the death of Jesus Christ. So in the days ahead, I think as Christians, we need to be reminded of that. When Israel does as a government what we ought not to do as an individual, Mm. it is not because they are being sinful. If they are being righteous in the execution of justice, then they are being a righteous government. If they go in with vengeance uh, that is born out of hatred, if they commit back the same kind of crimes that they have had perpetrated against them, that will be evil, should be condemned as such. Mm. But if they, in a judicious manner, identify those who have taken human life, and in many cases, if not all, end those lives, they have not done what is wrong. They have done what a government ought to do. But for us as citizens... We can't condemn them for doing that, nor can we take upon ourselves a vigilante spirit yeah. and feel that I wish I could be out there and putting these guys in the grave. That's not what's been left to us. Our responsibility is to know what forgiveness under even those kind of circumstances looks like and be willing to extend it because we've been forgiven. Mm. Isn't it interesting, as you're talking there, Chris, vengeance is mine, says the Lord yeah. came to mind. We often think of that as God saying, no, 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 you don't get to do that. I get to do that. And I don't think that's the characterization of it at all. I think it's in a sense, it is his job, mm-hmm. not us as individuals. And frankly, even as states, if, you're, if vengeance is your goal, you are propagating millennia of, of hate, yep. as we've seen. Um, in a way, I kind of, I think sometimes the Lord has reserved certain things like vengeance for himself. And in a way it's a blessing to us. Yes. We don't have to, um, it is something we can trust him and, and Mm -hmm. he will someday, sometimes more close, more, more immediate and other times in the distant future, make things right Yep, as as they ought to be. I, I, I go back to, I think sometimes too, we get, um, oh man, that's probably looking at the, that's probably, <laughs> probably don't want to go all the way there, but I, I, I will say sometimes there's a sense of even personal celebration. Yeah. The bad guy got what he wanted. And, and I, there is, there is something right about justice, Yeah, but let's not be too hasty <laughs> to celebrate anything. Um, if anything, thank God. Um, thank God that when justice is served, it was, Mm-hmm. Um, but then it is interesting just again, focusing on the people around us, a little, a little example mm-hmm. of, of trying to, trying to be a light. It, it wasn't even, I'll share, it wasn't my idea. I got to participate in it, but not because I even volunteers because Anita did something. She, um, she came, it's just the smallest tiny, in, in light of what we're talking about, this is the smallest little example. I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. uh, make, draw a big comparison, but she, um, Came to me the other day, um, some point in late in the, later in the day, and she she shared a situation, and she said, "I've set up, I'm starting to take donations, and we put a little bit of our our money in in the mix, and and then she shared that one of Jack's friends, who's not a believer by the way, um, his his parents had given him some kind of special Nike shoe. I, this sure. is this is a world I don't know a whole lot about, <laughs> but I know it's the thing right now, right?" And like they'd special ordered something and I don't even think they spent a ton of money, but he was, you know, it was exciting for him to get it. Anyway, somebody had stolen his shoes out of his locker while he was in PE shortly after he got him. 
you know, is that the end of the world? No. Um, but, you know, you felt bad for the kid. And uh, and so Nate needed to take up some, you know, can his family afford new shoes? Of course they can. But it became this, this way for just a few bucks from different families to at least show this family, you know, we're really sorry that happened. At the same time, we really hope they catch the kid that did that. <laughs> and the school is on it, right? They're like, they got yeah. surveillance cameras and stuff. And I just use it as maybe in some ways, this kind of flimsy example of you can show, you can use the opportunity. And I was glad she did. I mean, I didn't even know about it. Right. But mm -hmm. it's a way of showing some grace and generosity to yeah. this, to this kid, to this kid, um, who's a, who's a, a, not not a believer, but a good friend of Jack's and a way to show him, you know what people, people care about that. And, and even something small like shoes, but at the same time, it doesn't justify or exonerate that somebody stole something that wasn't theirs. Right. Yep. And so I think you know, flimsy example, right. But we can stand, you can be as believers. I hope we could all find a way to be gracious mm -hmm. and at the same time, not compromise that, God has instituted certain ways of living and he has commands and he, yeah. and they are based on his character, who he is and the violations of those commands. Well, we need to deal with it graciously and generously. And, and, and like that video I mentioned earlier with a spirit of forgiveness, because it's not about me being satisfied. It's about God being honored and glorified, mm -hmm. uh, but you can do both. Yeah. You can be, and it's hard. And I, and I think in the most extreme examples, it's only possible through the power of God's spirit within us. We can't do it on our own. Right. There's a reason the imprecatory psalms exist <laughs> and they're in inspired scripture. It's okay to look at evil and say, God, would you make it stop? Mm. And that's okay. And when God does to say, thank you, uh, as those who are sinners and deserve the wrath of God, that always has to be from a position of humility and not self-righteousness. And, and that's, that's a spirit we need to cultivate, um, at, as, as Christians in, in general and how we, we view the world. Cause it's just so easy to jump as we always do into one ditch, <laughs> one ditch or another. Well, it probably is evidenced a little bit today. And in, in Caleb's absence, we always tend to swing towards the, I don't call it gloomy, but mm. a heavier tone, right? So Caleb, the uh, part of our three-legged stool is missing. Yes. Uh, we haven't, we, we ha don't have you here to, to try to draw us back into some of the lighter things, but I, I think even if he were here, right? Less sudsy bear and more genocide. There we go. <laughs> are those our options? <laughs> those are options. Well, it is uh, what's going on in the world today. It, and it's it important. Is. And it, our, yeah. our children need to hear this. Um, they need to hear moral clarity. We're, we're not dealing with an morally equivalent situation. Mm -hmm. It's not just a schoolyard fight between two kids that are just both in a scrap. You you have here a nation, a, a, a duly constituted nation, within its borders living a people group that have adopted through their various leadership organizations, whether it's Hamas, whether it's Palestinian Liberation Front, or um, have adopted as a position our fundamental tenet is a refusal to acknowledge the right of the state of Israel to exist or the right of its people to live. Yeah. That right? second that's, part is really chilling that's, and true. Yeah. That's been their starting point because, you know, the question is always, well, if Israel had just given them a nation or a place, um, then this wouldn't happen. That has been offered over and over and over since the founding of this nation. And they have said no every time because they refuse to acknowledge the right of the nation of Israel to exist. Mm. Even listening to the delegate to the mm. UN from Palestine, he says, of course, we want to encourage the 
the internationally approved solution to this process, a two-nation state, which would involve the decolonization of the land. <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? We, will, we believe in a two-nation state as long as that nation has to leave. <laughs> you know, so. Um, Have you found. Maybe, oh, I'm, goodness. I might be doing this a little too much, but anytime someone invokes any kind, any form of the word colony, I'm immediately suspicious. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it seems to get thrown in everywhere where someone wants something that. Yep may or may not be there decolonizing but. <laughs> math but <laughs> how do you decolonize yeah. the world that's an impossibility so so we, i just think we i just want to make sure we speak with the moral clarity that what we've seen here is an evil attack upon a nation for which there is no justification yeah and when israel responds to that with deadly force they are not simply engaging in the same kind of sad yeah. cycle of bloodshed but when evil go, when Israel goes in to address that evil with force to the extent to which they ex exercise restraint and exert that force on those who perpetuated the evil, they are being righteous in doing so. Mm. Not to say Israel can't sin and hasn't sinned and that there's not positions that their government supports that are sinful. That, we acknowledged that earlier, but that we are not making a moral equivalency state or a statement here. It, this would be a righteous operation to the extent that it is going in specifically to find and to deal with those who have perpetuated these crimes and is respectful of the human life and those who are innocent of those crimes. There's going to be collateral damage that oh, there always is, but if that is what Israel is about doing, it'll be a righteous operation and the world should hold them to accountability mm. on that fact. Um, and... We long to see even the architects mm. of this evil bow the knee to Jesus Christ, mm. even it's before they're justly executed, mm. and be willing to one day see them in heaven and embrace them as brothers. Mm. Amen. And that is, it, boy, that kind of quote unquote impossibility is possible through the saving work of yep. our God. Um, I'll probably draw us to a close here Good uh, as yep. I think about our Friday night ahead and maybe mm -hmm. I don't know when we'll post this, but to you, the listener, you know, as you pray, as we pray, as we ought to, uh, for peace, spiritual peace, uh, physical, national peace. I think we all also in that same prayer, whether it's over your dinner tonight as a family or somewhere else. Um, maybe ne near your fire pit as you chill out this, this weekend or, or uh, throughout the week, I would include in that prayer to just, a just again, profound gratitude to God for allowing mm -hmm. us to be, to live in the peace that we live in our country, far from perfect. Um, our, our social conflict here in the country on so many issues, certainly not nothing to be proud of, but the fact that we can, that we live in a place where we aren't aren't worrying about whether or not we're going to make it through tonight Yeah, uh, is such a unique situation and something not to be f feel guilty about, but something to have a wonderful gratitude um, and to not take for granted either. I think it's just easy for us to sit here in comfort and peace and security. Uh, I drove over here um, not 
if anything, my, my stress was that I was 10 minutes late. It wasn't that I might not make it, <laughs> you know, and as we go through the weekend, the stress, you know, is about, you know, are we going to get to the game at the right time? And we're running like for church, those kinds of things. I think just, just bring not a sense of guilt that all oh, we, we others have it so much worse, but just a sense of gratitude. Thank you, God. And may we, may we enjoy this to the way that, that he has, he wants us to be able to enjoy um, his gifts in this being one of them. So um, Chris, great to see you. I think maybe, Likewise. maybe we have redeemed Friday the 13th in some <laughs> way. I don't know. Hopefully we've brought glory to the Lord and, and hopefully we've encouraged our listeners as well, but that's probably a good, <laughs> a good place to stop it or end our show here that uh, to you, the listener, if you've made it this far, as you, as you move on to the next thing, may let it be a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord and also a prayer um, on behalf, a prayer of supplication on behalf of those uh, far away that um, that are probably wondering if they're even going to see tomorrow. Uh, by the grace of God, they will. And most importantly, by the grace of God, they'll experience the salvation that's available only yeah. through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 